What's good, church? Hopefully you are doing well. Uh, we're continuing our series, Grow. And I want to go on a limb and say that all of us have said something like this. I'm so glad he or she showed up in my life when they did. I'm not sure I would have made it through this without him or her. I wouldn't be where I am today apart from them. If it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, I would still be lost. Or maybe I would still be trying to find purpose. And that's how I feel about certain people in my life. You know, my grandparents who taught me what it was like to be a Christian, uh, they helped me to develop spiritual disciplines. Uh, Jason Smith, who was my mentor during an 18-month internship, taught me about organizational leadership and the importance of discipleship. Uh, Lynn McLaughlin was my professor in seminary, one of my professors in seminary, and he helped me as I was trying to rebuild my faith after a difficult ministry experience. And then my counselor, Al Nestor, now, during a rough patch in ministry, taught me not to take myself so seriously. And then, of course, Jenny, who I'm married to, is definitely my best friend and someone whose discernment I lean on pretty much every day. I'm not ashamed to say that where I am today is because of the investment those people made in my life. Without them, I would not be here today. We've all had those um, just the right time of people that have come into our lives, right? They've added something to our life when we needed it the most. Uh, they gave, or maybe uh, they gave us insight or provided us encouragement. Sometimes they provided us perspective and hope, and other times they confronted and helped correct the way that we were going. Those moments that you didn't like, but you are so grateful now that they were willing to say the thing that needed to be said. Your life would be different if they hadn't dropped in. Does anybody come to mind for you? Have you ever thanked them? I'm humbled that over the years, some of you have said the same thing about our church. We provided encouragement, hope, maybe confrontation at just the right time. And for some, it was returning to faith, Others was a broken marriage, depression, dealing with a sin, help raising kids, and for some, becoming single again. Mm. More on this in a minute. So where are we in this series? Why do we have this series? And so in the summer, we, we sent out an annual survey just to, for us to understand where people are coming from and helping under helping us understand where, where we want to dive into with topics and where people want more information and they have questions about. And one of the things that kept coming up was how do I grow my faith? How do I grow my faith in circumstances that were outside of my control? Like, how do I grow my faith? And so we're in this series called Grow. And it, kind of, it really takes us back to what Jesus invited his first followers to do. He invited them not to believe, not to agree, not to remember him, but he said, I want you to follow me. Following was doing, right? It wasn't just believing. It was active. It was demanding at times. It was not convenient. 
They had to say no to some things in order to say yes to Jesus. Following is active, it's relational, it's not always easy. And over the years, it seems like we've reduced being a Christian to, if you just believe, you're good to go. And yes, it is important that we believe, but there's so much more to just believing. It also requires us to do. And when Jesus provides his spirit to you and I, there's a change that happens in your mind and you and it's, and it's like you want to do something with what is happening inside. His invitation to follow me was not just to believe true things, that they go to heaven when they die, but they would live a life that honored God in the here and now. You know that God is most honored by our growing faith. He's most honored by your growing faith. What that means is there are moments where you're going you're gonna to experience doubt because you're praying for something. You're expecting God to do something. And I don't know what it is for you, but we've all been there. And we're not seeing things, right? We're not seeing, we're not seeing things the way that God is seeing things. And in those moments when we know who he's been, we know that he's been faithful, we know that he's been just, not only in our life, but in other people's lives. And he does some really cool things in our past. And it's like, okay, God, all right, I, I'm not seeing you doing anything here. I'm not seeing you answer my prayer. I'm not seeing you answer their prayer. Uh, their, their marriage is still falling apart. Their kids are still crazy. Like, I don't understand what's going on. But in that gap of who I know you to be and what I'm experiencing, I am choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to trust who you are, your nature, your character, your love. I'm choosing to trust that. That is when God is most honored by our growing faith. Our faith grows when things are difficult, not when things are easy. It takes both. We need seasons of joy and we need seasons of sorrow to deepen our faith. It's just like rain and sun as we're trying to plant stuff in our garden or plant grass or whatever the case may be. We need both. We need the sun and the, and the rain. In this series, we're going to be answering this question over the last couple of weeks we've we've started to ask this and we want to continue to ask this is what fuels the development of our growing faith like how do we develop real world faith a faith that goes the distance regardless of circumstances and situations and what people may or may not do to us and what creates in us a faith that's unashamed like like we're not afraid to pray with our co-workers or our spouse or our kids and based on what jesus has taught there seems to be five things that God uses to grow our faith. In the first week, we looked at practical teaching. We learned that when we apply God's word, we see God faithful and honoring his word, our faith grows. When we obey God, he comes through. Our trust in him deepens. When we see other people trust God and they start doing some things and growing in their faith, that inspires us to take a similar step to trust God. Our faith begins to grow. And in any case, we have to think of faith as a muscle, right? In order for it to grow, we have to exercise it. Last week, we saw the second one. That's personal ministry. We learned that humility allows us to experience God's strength in our weakness. When people tell their stories about being a follower of Jesus, they, they tell about a time where someone stepped out of their comfort zone and served them. And today, we're going to be looking at providential relationships. And it's very similar of what we talked about last week, but yet a little different. 
When people tell their stories about being a follower of Jesus, they talk about that person who shared the gospel with them, whether it was being invited to church or inviting them to a small group or even sharing in their own story how Jesus changed their life. It was that one person. It was that providential relationship. And it was almost like God airdropped them into their life at just the right time. And that's what God does to all of us. He airdrops those people at just the right time. We consider this providential. It combines two words, providence and evidential. We may not see it in the moment, but when we look back, we see the evidence of God providing those people in our lives at just the right time for us to take a step with him. And look, God cares so much about us and our growing faith in him that his plan includes providential relationships. Like, I I think it's something that he takes pleasure in, that he wants us to grow, and so he's going to add these people into our lives, airdrop them in, so that we begin to grow our faith. I think he takes pleasure in that because it's growing our dependence on him. Perhaps you've played this role in someone's life and didn't know it. You were just being a good friend or a boss or a coach. But for the person on the other side of you, it was a defining moment. We don't know when, when it happens, right? We only know when we look back. We only know when someone told us, hey, you know, years ago, I don't know if you knew this, but you played an important role in my life with getting me back on track in my faith. See, defining moments always involve other people, either good or bad. There are people that you are better off because you met them, right? There are people in your life that you're better off because you met them. And there are folks you wish you had never met. We shouldn't be surprised that God uses relationships to grow our faith. I mean, God God operates like this, right? He himself is relational within God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So it, it makes sense that he's going to use relationships to grow our faith and deepen our faith. So there's a couple stories, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, how God used the just the right time of people to help. So here we go. King David was arguably Israel's greatest king. I mean, he was Israel's second king. He reigned for about 40 years, and it was a solid run of leadership until he did something pretty evil. Instead of going out to lead his troops in battle, he stayed behind. Troops started back in the spring back then because the ground was becoming dry after the winter snows and the early spring rains. Now, while he stayed back, he had an affair with one of his soldiers' wives. In fact, it was one of the special forces' soldiers. She gets pregnant. He finds out, and to cover it up, he brings the soldier back from the battle and so that he spends time with his wife, and hopefully it looks like he got his wife pregnant, not David. Well, unfortunately, it didn't work out. So David schemes to have the soldier put on the front lines. It happens. He dies. The wife is barely and briefly a widow before David makes her his wife. She gives birth to a son. Notice how God deals with David. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. In this moment, God was displeased with how David handled himself. This is not the David who was a man after God's own heart. Something was happening in him. And it was about 10 months. It took about 10 months from 
what we're going to read in 2 Samuel 11.27 and 2 Samuel 12.1. There was about 10 months span where God did not see a repentant David. David was not coming clean to God with his son. Now, with his sin. Now, imagine how, how hate and bitterness has hardened David's heart and mind. Imagine the guilt and the shame that he's trying to shove under the rug with his mind, maybe his heart. Ten months is a long time. I mean, this is a guy who wrote songs about God, about faith, about obedience, where people in the nation were singing these songs. This is a guy who slayed a giant with faith and a slingshot. Imagine how difficult life is right now for David. And here's the truth. Most of us can, can relate to David. Either we've been there, we're in it, we're about to go through it. Not wanting people to talk to us. Not getting too close to people. Exhausted from covering up our sin. Or maybe we're full of anger. We please God through our obedience. I believe that everyone in this room would agree with that. Those watching online would agree that we please God through our obedience. And our faith grows through our obedience. Our faith is satisfied and fulfilled through obedience. Like we know the times when our faith isn't growing. Like we feel off with God. We feel off with other people. You know, we, we try to hide ourselves. We don't want to be made known. Um, we know something is not right with us, with others, with God. Like something is off. Something's off track. So God does something about it with David. God wanted so much more for David than David wanted for himself. The same thing with us, man. God's going to do something about it. Notice what happens. The Lord sent Nathan to David. Ten months is too long. Let's go. The Lord sent Nathan to David. And God sends Nathan, and, and he was a known commodity to David. He knew David. He was a friend of David. But he was also a prophet. And he begins to share a story with David. And there's a rich man who had plenty of sheep, plenty of cattle. He entertains a traveler who's passing through by providing him dinner. Well, instead of taking one of his sheep and cattle to eat for dinner, he goes out, steals the only lamb of a poor man to use as a dinner for his traveler. I mean, David's irate. He's angry. He's furious. He's fuming. He's demanding that that man needs to pay four times the loss to that poor man and be killed. And then Nathan looks at David and says, that story is about you. You did some evil things without owning it before God, without repenting, without seeking forgiveness. You've done those things. And David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. See, David responded in the way that God desired. In fact, Psalm 51 is written during this time. During this time where David repented. And God desired David to see that his sin, his sin led to significant consequences, including the death of his newborn son. And David experienced the just the right time person in Nathan who confronted David with the correction he needed. 
And through much repentance, David and his wife were able to have another son, Solomon, who would eventually take over for David as king of Israel. See, providential relationships is one of the ways that God grows our faith back then and even today. I mean, it's how Christianity started. You think about it, the 12 hand-picked apostles and the other disciples would say that meeting Jesus and him inviting them to follow him was a defining moment for them. It changed their life. John wrote that the word God became flesh and dwelt among us. When people are changed by Jesus, they tell their friends. And that's what happened back then. When they were changed by Jesus, they told their friends, which created a providential relationship. And I love this story. When Philip meets Jesus, he's so changed by Jesus' invitation to follow him that he goes and tells his friend Nathaniel. He says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law about whom the prophets also wrote. I mean, this is the guy we've been, we've been thinking about. We, we've, been, been, be, we've been told in Saturday school that this man is coming. And he's here, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel was thinking, oh, no, 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 no. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? There's no way. There's no way the Messiah... It's from Nazareth. Philip responds, come and see. Nathaniel did. And Jesus changed his life too. And now through a providential relationship, he had a front row seat to a movement that would outlast him. As much as we might want to, we're unable to create providential relationships. If we could, then they wouldn't be providential. However, We can all be and should be proactive in getting into relationships with people whose faith informs their decisions and responses to the difficulties of this life. I think that's what's missing in some of our lives. The author of Hebrews writes about our potential to lose faith and begin to drift. He writes, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, speaking of Jesus. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage in one another. A growing faith takes obedience. And it's hard to keep it going. It's hard to keep at it. It is. Especially in our culture, there's going to be things pulling our attention away from our faith. The pull is strong. Yet we need providential relationships. God has put those into our lives to keep us going. We need each other. And you know how this works? Proximity. Proximity matters. People drift away from people before they drift away from faith. I know, I know that we know that. It's like, what do we do when people begin to drift? Because when people begin losing contact with people of faith, they start drifting in their faith. See, our faith was not meant to be private, but personal with God and others. Relationships are crucial to the growth of our faith. See, when we see people trusting God with their lives, it becomes easier to trust Him with ours. When we see what people the stories people are telling us about when they took their step of faith and we're like, whoa, that happened to you? 
And we're like inspired and we're like, okay, well, I, I need to trust God because what is he going to do through, through me? Staying connected to people of faith grows our faith. Like when we started our church, we knew, man, a non-negotiable for us was to be a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. When this happens, it doesn't matter our size. Our focus becomes our spiritual health and growth. Even when we went as far as providing this model, I mean, we go as far as providing this model for our elementary through our high school students. We hear many stories from parents about the connection their children had with their group leader. I mean, I hear this on Sunday afternoon and even, out, even sometimes throughout the week with our daughter, Brooke. Well, Miss Amy does this and Amy, Miss Amy does that. Mr. Trey does this. Mr. Trey does that. And we love that because she's getting another picture on how, on how an adult handles their faith. And they're partnering with us in what happens at home. Another way we do this is we invite people to come and sit with us. One of the things we encourage you to say is, hey, why don't you come and sit with me? Especially when things are not going well for someone, they're not prepared for something, or they're not in church. The single, this single invitation could position you to be just the right time person. An invitation could be the first step in someone rediscovering faith. And man, invite someone. You never know what hangs in the balance of your courage to say something and invite someone. And if they show up and one day you see them get baptized or take a step of faith, do you know what's going to happen? Your faith is going to get bigger. It's going to grow. And that's the power of providential relationships. Who knows? A simple come sit with me may turn out to be providential. And when they tell their faith story, they'll talk about you. And perhaps when you tell your faith story, you may talk about them as well. See, for some of us, we should thank them by sending a short letter or a short email, maybe text them or make a phone call because we have no idea, we have no idea the impact of a, of a thank you could go and actually may encourage them in their faith right now. See, one of the things God uses to strengthen and grow our faith is our relationship with other followers of Jesus. Here are two questions to think about before we leave today. Can you think of someone God providentially brought into your life at just the right time? Initially, did you resist their input? And why? And then secondly, are the people whose stories shaped and strengthened your faith aware of the role they played in your life? Like, have you told them? Would you tell them? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful for the people you put in our lives to help us grow in our faith. We know that's one of the ways that you use to grow our faith, our people. People who are pursuing you, people who are aligned with you. Father, we're thankful for the people you've used in our lives. Father, we are asking that you will help us to be that person for someone else. Open our eyes, open our minds to see the opportunities you lay in front of us. Thank you for the opportunities you've afforded us to be potentially just the right person for the person that's in our family, in our neighborhood at our work, at our school. Father, help us 
to take some time to thank them for what they've done in our lives, that just the right person for us. Lord, continue to grow our faith, deepen our trust of you. Help us to see life the way that you see it. Help us to be able to see these people. In Jesus' name, amen.